Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour, and today we'll be discussing yoga in its broadest sense. Some people aren't aware that yoga has a very strong tradition of meditation that is part of the, and probably even um, more central to the practice of yoga than what are more familiar, which are the asanas or postures. So what we're really going to be talking about is um, yoga as a wider system, including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Our topic today is meditation and science, miracles proved. And we'll be discussing the scientific evidence about the benefits of meditation, including improved cardiac health, slowed aging of the brain, and reduced pain. Now, my guest today is Dr. Shanti Rubenstone, a board-certified internist who received her medical degree from Stanford University in 1983. She has a private practice in transformational medicine in Palo Alto, California, as well as a part-time traditional medical practice. Dr. Rubenstone was a speaker at Yogananda Fest, which happened in April of this year in Palo Alto, and was also a speaker at the 2017 Science Behind Meditation Symposium. She is a teacher, minister, and spiritual director at Ananda in Palo Alto. Welcome, Dr. Shanti Rubenstone. I'm so delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laurel. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. So before we dive into our dialogue about meditation and science, let's dive in instead to a a moment of practice, a moment where we can uh, put into practice what we're going to talk about, a moment of meditation, a yoga moment. So let's start right where we are, right here and right now, and just take a moment to feel our bodies in whatever space we are right now, whatever we're doing, whether we are standing, walking, sitting, just feeling wherever our body is supported by the ground, by a chair, supported by anything And after taking a moment to feel that, 
let's turn our attention to our breath, which is such a wonderful tool, always with us. So let's just notice as we inhale and exhale, feeling the cool air entering the nostrils as we inhale and feeling the warm air flowing out. Just noticing the natural flow of your breath, not trying to change it, just letting it be. And imagining with each inhale, we can dive within. And with each exhale, we can relax. And as we dive within, we can imagine dropping perhaps from our head down into our heart and opening to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, between us and all around us. And sometimes resting in this place, we may notice thoughts or feelings as they arise. We realize we can just watch them. Watch them as they arise and watch them as they pass away. And in this practice, we become aware of our essential nature beyond words, beyond thoughts, beyond emotions, beyond all change. Just being. We feel the peace that emanates from this essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. As we rest in this peace, we know that it's a portable peace, as Yogananda described it, one that we can take with us into the rest of our day and share it with all we meet. Once again, Dr. Shanti Rubenstone, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm really delighted you could join me today on the show. Thank you, Laurel, and thank you for that beautiful uh, guided meditation. What a wonderful way to begin. Yeah. I, somehow, it, it always makes sense to me to kind of start as we mean to go on, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so let's start talking about meditation. So you and I have both been really long-term meditators. So what first drew you to meditation? Uh, <laughs> 
sure, like with everyone, there's a very long answer. But the very short answer is that uh, I was sort of traveling around searching. I could not have told you for what. But uh, in my 20s, for something other than how life was feeling. And I met a man at the time whose name was Swami Satchitananda. And that man did not turn out to be my spiritual teacher. But within a moment of his speaking to us and being in his presence, I just knew that everything he was telling me was the truth. Mm. It was the first time I had experienced that. And I, again, these are words 40 years later, more than 40 years later, but uh, it was a profound and life-changing moment for me. And I just decided mm. to do as he said is really what it was. There was something he had that I knew I wanted. Mm. And it did turn out to be the truth. It's been a wonderful path, though not one that followed him necessarily. Right. So we're going to be talking about the scientific benefits of meditation, what's been scientifically proved, but I thought maybe we should start talking about the benefits of meditation that you notice in your own life. What are those? Well, as you you said just a moment ago, we are both long, long-term, long-time meditators now. So I think anybody who's meditated for any period of time knows this just changes this practice, this relatively simple practice, it really changes our whole life. Mm-hmm. It would be hard to find anything in our lives that it didn't touch. Relationships uh, get easier. The ability to concentrate, to learn, gets much easier and better. Um, you know, the, the uh, heart opens and compassion increases. So just all of how we live our daily life, all of the things that happen in life, we become less centered in ourselves, much more centered in a much broader experience that just, I mean, the very simple response is that everything in life becomes easier Mm -hmm. and better. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other way to say that, really. Yeah, well, it's a great, it's a great little, um, you know, summary of of many of the things that I've felt as well. Um, it's amazing, really, when you look at the simple practice that it is so, you know, transformative. And I certainly have experienced the things that you've mentioned. I um, also love that space that opens up, that creative space that opens up for me when my meditation practice is really steady um, between pretty much anything that happens in life and my reaction. You know, it opens this space where I get to be so much more um, mindful and and more of a chooser of what happens instead of just getting triggered, you know, into a, a certain response. Um, beautiful. Yeah. I, I just I just would add because perhaps in terms of how it affects our life, uh, I may have really left out the most important issue, which is that sense of living, knowing that we are all deeply connected mm-hmm. and part of the same reality. It's right. such a 
um, a sense of oneness, of feeling like we all belong. It just really is, uh, it just removes so mm-hmm. much of the things that we are otherwise afraid of, or as you're saying, we become less reactive because we're not as anxious about things. Being part of a whole and ultimately knowing it's part of the divine whole, whole, W-H-O-L-E. Right. Uh, it's, it's almost beyond words. Mm-hmm. That is, so... Right. And, and you mentioned, you know, feeling that, but I would even go farther and just say knowing that, like in the way that when you met Swami Satchidananda and there was something that in what he was saying that you just knew was true on a deep level, um, there's a way in which you just know that you are connected when you have an active meditation practice. It's not something that you kind of wish for or hope for, but there's just a knowing that, um, is part of what makes ev- what makes life easier. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> so I'm glad we had a chance to touch on the some of the spiritual aspects of meditation practice because we aren't going to pay much attention, you know, to those. We're going to be talking about the science, but I think the spiritual aspect is what keeps a lot of people going with their practice. Would you agree? I completely agree, and I feel like. In this day and age, right here, 2018, um, in a, a, a time in life that is so much about energy and science and huge discoveries, it's fabulous to have those discoveries, but only because they support for so many people who have not yet had that intuitive knowing. I mean, what you were describing before so it takes all of those things that see, or otherwise seem just like miracles that happen to a few, but it gives it such a uh, uh, the it gives people the ability to understand it, which is kind of a segue to the real knowing of it, which underlies everything. Yeah, it keeps us going, as you say. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> I, uh, you shared your slide set with me from your talk in April at Yogananda Fest, and I really did like the slide that said, Google can't satisfy every search. I really, I really <laughs> love that. That's just so charming. I have to admit we found that on the Internet in front of a church in the Midwest, mm. and we immediately called them and said, this, we're in Silicon Valley. I mean, this says it all. Do you mind if we use this? And the, the uh, minister there was so happy to share it with us because and it grabbed so many people mm-hmm. right there on this main street in Palo Alto just to have mm-hmm. that hanging up there, which we keep it up there all the time. No, it's, great. it's one of those things where a picture says a thousand words. Yeah. Oh, indeed, yeah. <laughs> So you and I have both been trained as Western physicians with a strong background in science. And I've been amazed, and probably you have as well, at the number of research articles about meditation and yoga has just skyrocketed, at least over the last 20 years. I know it goes back farther, but there's been like an acceleration, I think, over the last 20 years. And these uh, studies have proven some of the many benefits of meditation from a scientific perspective. So I I took this title, the title of our discussion from your recent talk at Yogananda Fest, uh, Miracles Proved, uh, Meditation and Science, Miracles Proved. And and I kept it because 
what science has now proven about meditation does seem like a miracle. So how does the science supporting meditation make it seem miraculous to you? Well, it's interesting that you're saying that. I actually, when that title came to me, it's funny, I sort of had it looking at it from a a different perspective uh, than what you're asking. But so let me just say, I felt like because I come from such a strong scientific background, my whole medical education and, you know, I was at Stanford University, I mean, very science-based. And I thought, wow, this is going to prove to all of my colleagues what looked like miracles before, because they'll be able to say, oh, now we see it, which is really the truth. It is the science is doing that. I don't think for me personally, this is a hard thing to say, I sort of never needed proof. Because of what you said before, you meditate, and you just, know something. You know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And for me, I've kind of waited for the science to catch up. Yeah. Things that I've known um, for decades, honestly, Mm -hmm. I hope it's okay to say this on this show, (laughs) probably lifetimes. Yes. You know, that, that kind of knowing of something that nobody's ever going to talk me out of. Right. The things that always look like miracles in life, I just say, oh, of course I understand. And then we could go on to say, in the spiritual sense, because we're all connected, because we all have access to this massive fund of knowledge, an mm-hmm. infinite fund of knowledge. But what the science has done that's made it so much fun is that I can now go back to Stanford and give this talk that I sent to you, and everybody is there shaking their head and saying, wow, now we see it, because Mm. we're looking at functional MRIs and, you know, higher sensitivity electroencephalograms, and we're studying neuroreceptors and neurotransmitters, and all of the science is just falling into place to say, this is what they've been talking about for millennia. So. Well, I think that's that's perfectly true, and I agree with you. What I was thinking, though, is, and I think this, you know, let's remember this as we talk about all these things, but if there were like a pill that could do what meditation does, if there were a pill that could, you know, for example, make your brain seem younger by many years, you know, compared to people who didn't take this pill, if there was a pill that could decrease cardiac mortality, you know, it's on and on. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot about, more about those specifics. I mean, this would be a miracle drug that everybody would be on, right? I mean, everybody would be like pounding on the door of their doctor's office saying, please give me this, <laughs> give me this miracle drug. And it's meditation, you know, that's what's miraculous to me. I love the you health. I mean, that is so pro- that's probably going to find its way into many of my talks now. I hope that's okay with you. That's sure. a wonderful way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Like here we're telling you, look how simple it is. Just do this for a few minutes a day. So you're absolutely right. That, that's a real miracle. That's a miracle. 
<laughs> so you mentioned specialized tools that we have now uh, in science, functional MRI, specialized electroencephalograms, and that these have shown several physical changes to the brain that happen with meditation. So I thought we'd start there. So what are some physical changes to the brain that happen that we know about for sure with, with long-term meditators? And then what cognitive changes are they associated with? Well, as you know, this is just, I mean, you alluded to it for the past 20 years, but even in the last few years now, this, this research is blossoming. But what we know for sure is that it increases gray matter, um, the cortical thickening in the gray matter of the brain, uh, which really involves a lot. But that area of the brain is responsible for our executive functioning, like planning, problem solving, emotion uh, regulating, all of our, so much of our cognitive ability, uh, the ability to monitor our attention. All that happens and improves and increases with just the smallest amount of ongoing meditation. Mm -hmm. We know that it decreases the size of the um, amygdala, which uh, it doesn't really matter, I think, for the sake of this conversation, but which is a structure uh, in our brain. And that amygdala is really known as our fight or flight center, so that it's really the seat of all of our fearful and anxious emotions. And when we decrease the size, we can see that by decreasing the size of the amygdala, that people are, as you said before, much less reactive emotionally, sort of able to sit and be conscious and not react, but rather make decisions about how to respond. Um, it diminishes um, uh, this enhanced functionality uh, in uh in certain network connections, and these connections that are associated with higher-order brain functions is a way of saying them like attention, concentration, so that uh, uh, we, we can really, again, make better choices as we go. We are literally increasing our attention span, increasing our ability to concentrate on things. And while we've experienced that in meditation, we can actually see that now. Um, so in these areas that would grab our brain before and almost ruminate, you know, we, that doesn't happen as much. We just slow our brains down. We sort of, in a way, quit feeling as troubled by things. And then we know that we decrease activity in what is called uh, the brain's knee center, and in that way, we become uh, we become more aware and understanding of our own thought processes. Mm -hmm. So there's much more to say about all of this, really. But just thinking about that, increasing attention, increasing our memory—not just long-term memory, but in the moment that we can begin to remember better, um, this functional connectivity within the brain is something else that's 
really does feel like a miracle now. We used to think that each area of the brain had its own job to do and that when if those brain cells sort of atrophied or were injured by a stroke or any other way that they could be injured, that there was no way to recreate those brain cells. And we found out now with all of these studies, not only can we actually make new brain cells and we can enhance brain cells in certain areas so that you can, in fact, learn a, 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 a new language when you're in your 80s or you can learn to play musical instruments because you can create those cells again. But meditation, we see, does this has this ability to create a different kind of connectivity within the brain so that if you need more brain cells in one area, those brain cells can actually reach out and call to cells in other areas and say, hey, we need a little help over here. Can you give us that help? So I could go on and on, but I'll, I'll stop here. It's, again, you use the words, but it's a miracle. What we're finding out that the brain can do that we never thought it could do before, you and I learned that after a certain age, maybe in our 20s, the brain, that was it. It was the best it was ever going to be. I know. I know. Isn't that remarkable? Because I I, uh, have been amazed at that as you, because that was the orthodoxy that we were, you know, it's like once you have the full number of brain cells, as you were saying, I think it's in the early 20s, that's it. You know, there's no more and, and there's nothing that can happen. And that's so not true. And with that, unbelievably, we've already come to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest, Dr. Shanti Rubenstone board-certified internist and minister, teacher, and spiritual director of Ananda Palo Alto. You can find out more about Dr. Rubenstone's teaching schedule on the website anandapaloalto.org, and that's ananda, A-N-A-N-D-A, paloalto.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour, and when we come back from the break, there's so much more that we get to discuss, more about the scientific benefits of meditation and how meditation can help with lots of individual medical problems, Um, and we'll go into some detail about that. So please stay with us. We will be back right after the break. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. 
thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. Would you like to show your support for Unity Online Radio? You can donate easily on your phone by texting the word VOICE to 50555 and donate $10 to support Unity Online Radio. It's easy to do, and your offering will help us keep inspirational and positive programming on the air. Remember, just text the word VOICE to 50555 and support your favorite shows on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. Stretch your mind and open your heart every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien and the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way. Gain insights into spiritual principles that touch upon the most practical aspects of our lives, like work, relationships, health, and diet. Discover time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy for living a more fulfilled life in today's hectic world. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of The Yoga Hour, And my guest today is physician, minister, teacher, and spiritual director of Ananda Palo Alto, Dr. Shanti Rubenstone. The website to find out more about her teaching schedule is at anandapaloalto.org. So Shanti, in the first segment of the show, we discuss changes that are now proven to happen in the brains of people who meditate. And we were just on the verge of talking then about aging of the brain. So what effect does meditation, what have studies shown about meditation's effect on the aging of the brain? Yeah, this is really fascinating. There was a study that was just published in 2016 that showed that at age 50, the brains of experienced meditators, so these are people who had been meditating 
for some years, not brand new, um, were estimated to be seven and a half years younger than matched controls. And not only that, but for every year over 50 that uh, they looked at people's brains, they became an additional 52 days younger than their counterparts who were I love that. I love that. That's great. (laughs) I'm not saying we can live forever, but we can definitely live probably longer, but more importantly, we feel younger. And that's the most important thing. Right. And our brains are younger. And that's so important because it's probably nightmare for many people to think about, you know, growing old, but not having that cognitive function, you know, there's so much dementia and so much Alzheimer's, etc. So it's better to have a younger brain, that'd be great. So let's turn to specific medical problems that have been shown to improve with meditation. And there are so many that I thought it would be great to start just with an overview. We won't be able to talk about all these things. We'll just talk about a select few, but why don't you give us an overview of um, what are some of the clinical uses of meditation? What types of medical problems have been proven to improve with meditation? So I'll just list them and suffice it to say that anything we're talking about or I mentioned there has at least been some data in the last five, five to 10 years, mostly five years now, saying that meditation has a positive impact on this. Certainly anxiety and depression, and certainly all of the musculoskeletal pain type things, and particularly back pain, uh, which I hope we get a chance to talk about a little more. But beyond that, what amazed me as I started looking into this just a couple of years ago for the science behind it, uh, to find out that so many uh, areas in cardiovascular disease, uh, hypertension, um, gastrointestinal diseases, including inflammatory bowel and irritable bowel disease, these are, as you know, as as a physician, really common Diseases. We see a lot of people with these problems, sleep disturbances, breast cancer studies that have shown in many other forms of cancer, by the way, not that necessarily that it reduces the incidence, we don't have that data yet, of cancer or prolongs life, but that the quality of people's life as they're going through chemotherapy or other forms of treatment, smoking cessation, chemical dependency, I mean, I'm just naming a few for them. Uh, These are huge, huge issues in Western society. So uh, there's a lot of good, good things going on with meditation and medical conditions. And as you talk about, as you gave that long list, and that is not a complete list, there's, you know, many more that you could have mentioned. Um, Some people may think that you know, yeah, sure, meditation's great, but it probably only has a mild impact on, you know, health. Yeah, maybe it'll make me feel better. Uh, studies, I was really interested in these you talked about that showed a reduction in all cause, so all cause mortality, reduction in heart attack and stroke, and we'll talk a little bit more about the cardiovascular things, but these are powerful endpoints. All-cause mortality is just what it sounds like. It's, you know, death for any reason during the study period. And so the study might have been on heart attack, you know, uh, but 
meanwhile, other people die of, you know, cancer or something else. Well, this showed a reduction in all cause mortality. And that's very powerful, I think. I I agree with you. And um, just to say, not just while the study was going on, but in one particular study, you know, there was a five and a half year follow up. That's these are not lifelong studies and those will come. I mean, they'll come with time now, but even five and a half years out, all cause mortality and to show that they showed a 48 percent. Let me just make sure I get this right. 48 percent risk reduction in the composite mortality of non-fatal MI, myocardial infarction, which means heart attack, of course, and stroke, uh, 48%. It's a huge number. When we're talking about meditation, we're not talking about interventions that where we have to go inside of people's body and do things. We're not talking about giving them medicines that are saving lives. No doubt we're brilliant medicine, but with marked side effects in so many people, we're talking about saying to people, sit down and meditate. And uh, then they looked further at this. That was in quality of life studies, by the way. But they said here that people who were doing regular meditation, this particular study was done with TM, which is a type of meditation. Once One part of that study, 66% risk reduction. Again, these numbers, these numbers, quite frankly, they're better the numbers that we get with intervention, medical right. intervention. Right. So it's this is very significant data. Yeah, and I, I liked the um, you know the the reminder that um, um, about side effects and the lack of side effects, you know, for meditation. Which, um, as anyone who's watched a drug commercial on TV can tell you. <laughs> They start listing the common side effects. I mean, a lot of them are just like, well, shoot, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to take that medication if it causes, you know how it is. It's just, you know what I mean? There's a laundry list of things that sound absolutely terrible, including death often. Well, forget it. I'm not going to take that medication. So at any rate, let's talk about hypertension, because that is something that is a very, very common uh, disease. And meditation has been shown to have some significant uh, improvements in hypertension right. or high blood pressure, I should say. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that I just want to say this parenthetically because it's important to me, is that I, I, and I know you too, I'm not at all opposed to medicine. I think so much of what we do in medicine, we save lives all the time. So yes. I'm only saying it because people come to me often because they think they're going to find a physician who's against medicine. And I always say to people, I'm not against anything. I am for whatever it is you need. So I just wanted to add that moment of clarity before we move on. Well, thank you, because I think there is some, you know, when when we may... Um, you know, criticize certain aspects, you know, like the side effect profile of medication, um, that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be used. Absolutely, it should be used in appropriate, you know, by appropriate people. And I totally agree with you. Medicine 
does have miracles and we are saving people's lives in ways that were just unimaginable, you know, even when maybe when we went through our training. So I am with you. I am I am 100% for Western medicine. And I am, you know, I'm not going to uh, encourage anyone uh, not to, you know, pursue uh, seeing their doctor and, and following those recommendations. But what we're talking about is something that can really be such a great addition to that and something that can really help people not only improve whatever medical condition we're talking about, such as hypertension or heart disease, but can also have all these other positive impacts that we talked about also in the first segment. Right. And I, I, I so thank you. For, I think that clarification is important to our listeners but I do want to say the data with hypertension has really been remarkable. Interestingly, there was a study done in a, probably 10 years ago now that showed if you look at blood pressure, you and I know there are two readings, a top number and a bottom number. And suffice it to say, they just represent, in essence, how much work the heart is doing mm-hmm. every time it beats. And when we think of how many times in a lifetime, the heart has to beat. That's a huge amount of work. So this study showed uh, that it decreased the top number on average. This is, again, meditation. Um, so these are regular TM meditators in this particular study, again. Uh, and, t- and TM, just so we should mention it. meditation. Yeah. Exactly. There are studies that have pretty much shown, excuse me, <clears throat> that they can look at various forms of meditation, and the truth is the data comes out the same. But this study was done with transcendental meditation. 4.7 millimeters of mercury, just the way blood pressure is measured. It's a unit. It doesn't matter what it means. On the top number, and 3.2 millimeters of mercury drop pretty consistently on the bottom number. And it turned out to be very statistically significant in terms of a decrease of cardiovascular disease. And I'll just add one more thing, because I know we won't be able to stay with hypertension for too long. But what was really wonderful in so many of these studies is that people were able frequently to come on, the frequently is not a good scientific term, but again, just for time's sake right now, many people could eliminate one or more, 32% of the people in this particular study could eliminate one or more of their blood pressure medicines as compared to 14% who were on very aggressive lifestyle modification programs, means change your diet and exercise. Those are great numbers. Yeah, indeed. So um, there's something well, when you move, just to let you know that there's some sound that's coming through the mic. So um, I'm not sure if you can uh, um, just be careful about that. So um, another area where there's quite a lot of evidence for the benefits of meditation is in reduction of pain. So what types of pain have been studied regarding benefits of meditation? And of course, we'll talk about back pain. So there's two important responses to this. One is literal reduction in pain. And the other is people's ability to tolerate pain and feel better than they did before they meditated. So I just want to point that out. People could really talk about an improvement in the quality of their life 
even when they said maybe the amount of pain didn't change, but they were able to be with it in a more uh, relaxed, uplifted, calm. It didn't affect them in their lives as much. Maybe they could carry on activities of daily living better. The reduction of pain, though, the literal reporting of reduction in pain, they've studied people with chronic pain syndromes of many different kinds and pain related to a lot of malignancies. Also the pain in inflammatory bowel disease. I'm just right now going through uh, studies that I remember. I don't have all of that data right in front of me. I do have data for low back pain where the improvement has been remarkable with meditation. And these studies are more based on mindfulness meditation, just to say, so again, different types of meditations. But in, I'm just quoting to you one study, 342 randomized patients, they were randomized to mindfulness meditation, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, or lifestyle modification. And across the board, mindfulness meditation and cognitive behavioral therapy, I'll say, both did way better than lifestyle modification. In one study, the people said that uh, they felt a 43.6% decrease in their pain with mindfulness meditation. Again, I could, I don't know where we are time-wise, I could quote a lot of data here, but the data is all pretty consistently like that. Um, Again, clinically meaningful improvement in lifestyle improved by 61%. So maybe their pain didn't change, but their relationship to pain changes, which is just as miraculous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we touched on this a little bit, but I did want to come back to it about the safety of meditation. And and there may be a very few people for whom meditation is not appropriate. So can you share that with us, what you found in your, in your review? I think that across the board, even people who, you know, there's a lot of questions and issues that come up about scientific research with meditation. What forms of meditation are they different? How do people define meditation? I mean, just to be fair in the scientific world, there are a lot of scientists who have questions about some of the research. Interestingly, even many of those people seated in their their articles, not all of them, but many of them said, there's not really a downside in most instances. Maybe we can't come to any terms of agreement yet about what is meditation, what qualifies for meditation. But I want to say there is one instance in which those of us who teach a lot of meditation or who lead a lot of meditative practices would say in certain areas of psychiatric disease, it's important to at least be thoughtful and to spend time with those people individually and try and determine, is it good for any particular individual to learn to meditate and begin in this practice? And I would say with people who have truly psychotic behavior or who are delusional, and we know that, 
Um, I don't want to label people. I want to be very careful. So I'm not going to mention particular diagnoses right now. But I think if we're encouraging people to develop a practice of meditation, we need to be very mindful of people that fall into those categories, sit with them one-on-one, and to try and consciously and thoughtfully determine and weigh the risk-benefit ratio. Right. But I think that's going to you know, generally be the vast minority of people. And for most people, it's incredibly beneficial and safe. Absolutely. So we have not really, other than that tiny minority of people, we have not, I mean, in our practice, you and I would know, but even scientifically, we have really not been able to come up with any downside are people with back pain sitting in comfortable positions, certain of these things I could mention. But as a rule, really no downside to meditation. Right. Yeah. So clearly, from our discussion today, we've talked about all kinds of reasons to meditate, slowed aging of the brain, improved cardiac health, and reduced pain, among many others. However, and I know you've probably experienced this too. It's often difficult to keep up with a meditation practice. In my own meditation practice, uh, sometimes it's difficult to keep a daily meditation practice going. Sometimes it seems easy. Sometimes it's like a desert where my practice feels really dull and dry. So when this has happened to you as a long-term meditator, what have you found to be helpful? In what ways do you find, what ways do you find to fall in love with your practice again? See, I know I'm talking to another long-term meditator when they say, when this has happened to you, not has this ever happened to you? Because of course it happens. And um, I want to say really right away that meditating with other people sitting down and choosing to meditate with other people is a huge help. Um, Yogananda himself said, uh, next to God's grace, the most important thing on the spiritual path is the company we keep and satsang, which just means that keeping company with other soul-seeking people. So I think that's very important when my meditation Meditation practice is going dry. I make sure more often than not. Great. I think that's a, that's a great sitting uh, with, right to sit with other people. I think that's a great you know piece of advice because uh, the group can really uh, carry you along. So it seems like we're having a little bit of problem with sound. We'll see if it comes back here. So oh, um, I think we're back now. Okay, great. Sound there. Yeah, okay. I don't know where it went out. That's okay. And that's a so shame. we're coming to the last just couple of minutes of our program today. And I wanted to give you a chance to share some words of inspiration or encouragement about meditation practice with our listeners. What would, what would you like to leave them with? I would like to say meditation is not necessarily easy for any of us, but the rewards are so extraordinary, truly of body, mind, and soul. 
that the most important thing in any spiritual practice is to never give up, never stop, just keep at it. I often, when I'm teaching medi- uh, beginning meditation, uh, I put up on the board a blank meditation and I just leave a line there. Is better than no meditation at all. The very act of going to sit down with the right intention changes our lives in ways we honestly cannot imagine with our mind. Just saying it, yes. There's a saying uh, on many spiritual paths, God watches the heart. So when we say yes with our heart and we just sit, even if we're anxious, even if we're nervous, even if we're restless, even when our mind's wandering, we're doing so much good. Just do it. If it needs to be just for five minutes, sit for five minutes. I often say to people, if the best you can do is pronoun as you pass your altar or a certain space, just pronoun. Anything. Mm-hmm. It's life changing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the tricks I do use, uh, you know, is when I just don't feel like meditation, I don't, I just don't feel like sitting down and meditating, I'll say, I'll just go for five minutes. <laughs> and then of course, <laughs> it very rarely ends in five minutes, I always stay, you know, stay after, you know, for the five minutes, it, it just right. keeps, keeps going on. So it's the discipline of just beginning. Yes. That is often so helpful. Yeah. So, um, we have reached the end of the program. And um, I just want to thank you so much, Shanti. This has been um, really a wonderful overview of, um, of the benefits of meditation. And I think really given listeners some ideas about how far it's really come. Um, it's, it's quite remarkable, as we were saying, with the, you know, the studies that have been done, how, um, you know, how, how much is known about the science of meditation. And hopefully we've inspired people to uh, go ahead and uh, take the plunge, or perhaps they've been wavering in their practice and we've encouraged them to get back to it. Um, You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour, and we've been discussing meditation and science, miracles proved with Shanti Rubenstone, MD, a board-certified internist who received her medical degree from Stanford University in 1983. She has a private practice in transformational medicine, as well as a part-time traditional medical practice in Palo Alto, California. Dr. Rubenstone was a speaker at Yogananda Fest in Palo Alto in April of this year, and also um, at a science and meditation conference last year and is a teacher minister and spiritual director at ananda in palo alto you can find out more about her teaching schedule at the website anandapaloalto.org thank you so much shanti rosenstone for being with a rubenstone sorry for being with us today on the yoga hour thank you join us next week for an encore episode of What Are You Hungry For? Healing Our Relationship to Food, a program from August 2nd this year. Sarah Joy Marsh, author of Hunger, Hope, and Healing, yogic practices that can transform our food from suffering to compassion and hopefulness. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, 
a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'd also like to invite you to join a new six-week class that Yogacharya O'Brien is offering this fall called Connect, Spiritual Practice Immersion Course, which began last Tuesday, September 18th, uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. and will go for the next five weeks. It's not too late to join the course, which is available both in person and online. To find out more about the Connect course and to register, or to just find out more about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, check our website at csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Anne Hayes and Sean Smith, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again while Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember to carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.